Bobcat fans. Support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. It's the one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Nuanas now. We're learning to fly like we ain't got wings. We just gave you some wings, though. See that? I'm like turning into a natural. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great uh, Wednesday. Uh, there's... There's all sorts of people here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. Uh, Usually, it's just me, Andrew, and Jeff, and then Tommy's wandering around out there somewhere in the universe. But, uh, like, most of our sales staff is still here. I don't know if they realize. This is funny. This is how it works when you're in uh, just a small business media. We closed here at Missoula Broadcasting Company at 3 p.m. today because we're having our annual holiday party tonight. And... uh, you close early and everybody's still got to tie up loose ends, so people actually have to stay late. This is how it goes. We're just trying to keep, give you the best of the best uh, when it comes to all the radio here uh, in the Garden City. Missed anything in the first hour of the show today? You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by the M Store as well as the MSU Bookstore. Talk to Sam Herter, Hero Sports, about the FCS playoffs. We also heard from Travis DeCure, head coach of the University of Montana men's basketball team, and Eric Henderson, the head coach of the South Dakota State men's basketball team. Those two squads played last night in Missoula. The Grizz posted a 81-56 dominant victory over SDSU. We also heard from Isaiah Fonse, Bobcat All-American Senior running back, and uh, we also heard from Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team. Uh, go check out the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, thanks to the M Store and the MSU Bookstore for their continued sponsorship. If you want to be a part of the show, the Wings, let's uh, close. We already got our winner for Grizz hockey tickets and Desperado Wings. But uh, if you want to be a part of the show, you always can. 406 1029 That's 888 and uh, all guests will join us through the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Call or text 888-1029. Time now for our ESPN Roundtable. ESPN Roundtable uh, featured here during the 5 o'clock hour each Wednesday. And uh, then again during the noon hour each Tuesday, or excuse me, each Thursday on 102.9 ESPN Radio. It's presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, they have their uh, prime rib night back in the uh, back in the saddle. Twenty dollars and ninety five cents, you're going to get a full prime rib dinner, and I, I promise you, I've had it a couple times. It is a hearty chunk of meat. Bring your appetite. They start serving it at four p.m. each Wednesday. It's a heck of a deal. 
I get dinner salad and potatoes and uh, all the fixings, all the good stuff. So uh, if you got a big appetite, head on down to Paradise Falls every Wednesday for prime rib night. Paradise Falls. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner open 7 a.m. to midnight. Great place to go on the south side of town. 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Five big questions about the coaching carousel in the Big Sky Conference. The Here's the way it's been going down so far. The first domino, Charlie Raggle, out at Idaho State after just one year. He took the associate head coach and special teams coordinator job on Kevin Dillingham's staff at Arizona State. Shortly after that, Bo Baldwin also joined Dillingham's staff at Arizona State as the offensive coordinator. Baldwin leaves Cal Poly in the midst of a rebuild. Northern Colorado and Ed McCaffrey parted ways to the surprise of no one. And then in the midst of all that, Idaho State still has an opening. Cal Poly hired swiftly. I think that's smart when you're just going from diametrically opposed systems. I think you got to keep some semblance of continuity. And, I mean, I saw some jokes on Twitter. Why would you ever want to hire internally when you were the Cal Poly that Cal Poly put on the field the last couple of years, especially down the stretch this year? I mean, they were bad in Missoula, and they were almost worse when they played Montana State and San Luis Obispo the next week. I mean, losing 57 nothing to the Grizzlies and and 72-28 to to Montana State, woof. So there was jokes on Twitter. Why would you ever want to maintain continuity for a team that was getting drilled like that? But when it's a systematic and philosophy and uh, change, and you've already recruited to it, I do think you want to uh, maintain some semblance of it. And I actually remember texting a couple of our uh, SkylineSportsMT.com confidants when because we got the alert from Cal Poly that they were having a hiring press conference and the job had only been open for a couple days. So I texted our group text. I was like, well, they have to hire internal. And if they're going to hire internal, they're going to hire Paul Wolf because Paul Wolf had been, you know, a big state conference coach of the year, had won the league a couple times during his time at Eastern Washington. He preceded Bo Baldwin at Eastern Washington before going to Washington State. So um, Coach Wolf, a veteran coach, a good coach, a guy that's joined us on this show before. And that's exactly what Cal Poly did. They promoted him internally. So there you go. Cal Poly open, closed, boom. Uh, shouldn't be too much different there. In San Louis. Northern Colorado, in the meantime, hired uh, a better ed than the first one that they hired. I'll tell you that. And it's it's so ironic because for people outside of the Big Sky Conference sphere, Ed McCaffrey was the biggest deal that's happened in Northern Colorado. A brand name hire, a former all-pro receiver, a Denver Broncos star, a guy with the Super Bowl ring, a guy with a five-star uh, quarterback son, all of these things. But in the big sky sphere, most people were like, well, cool name, but like you've never coached college football. How's this going to go? It didn't go very well. <laughs> and, you know, the reports out of Greeley are, are pretty egregious just in terms of the uh, the lack of, of, how do you say, Lack of semblance of, of a real college football program that they're running under there, there under Ed McCaffrey. But then the irony is then 
Northern Colorado turns around and hires Ed Lamb. And for those outside the Big Sky Conference sphere, doesn't move the needle a bit. Most people around college football don't have any clue who Ed Lamb is. For those inside the Big Sky Conference sphere, everybody's like, well, dang, that's a pretty good hire. Ed Lamb was money at Southern Utah. Ed Lamb did a good job at Southern Utah. He helped build them into a perennial contender and a multiple-time Big Sky Conference champion. Uh, I know that they just had the one official Big Sky title, 2015, under Coach Lamb. But then that 2017 team that won it under Demario Warren, that was a lot of Ed Lamb's guys, too. So he definitely had a hand in that one as well. Coach, Coach Warren deserves credit, too. I mean, I think he was the Big Sky Coach of the Year that year. But either way, um, Ed Lamb, a good hire at Northern Colorado. But then you have to wonder what the domino uh what, what he thinks of the way the dominoes fell, because Ed Lamb has strong Utah connections, having coached at Southern Utah, and then has most recently been at BYU. Ed Lamb takes the Northern Colorado job. Less than 48 hours later, Jay Hill resigns at Weber State and takes the uh, BYU defensive coordinator job. So amazing how the, uh, the chess pieces move across the board. Uh, I haven't talked to Coach Lamb in, in six years, so I have no idea if he... Uh, would have been in the mix for the Weber State job or, or what he thinks of that whole deal. But the, the biggest news out of all of this is Jay Hill leaving Weber State. I think you can say with uh, pretty strong vindication that Jay Hill is the greatest coach in Weber State history. And, and Ron McBride was a good coach. He, he did a good job there at, at Weber, and he led them to their first two playoff appearances in 2008 and 2009. Uh, he is one of Jay Hill's mentors, uh, Coach Mack was a surly, hilarious, old-school guy. I used to love interviewing him because he never knew when he was going to just pop off and just say something funny or controversial or inflammatory or anything. I loved Coach McBride. But uh, he did a good job there, but Jay Hill took Weber State into actually a perennial national contender. They won 10 games five times, 68 wins overall uh, in his nine seasons there at the the helm. Uh, Won the Big Sky Conference five different times. Made the playoffs six times. I think the best way you could put it into perspective is Weber State had won two playoff games in its history when Jay Hill took over, and they won six playoff games uh, over the last seven years. So uh, Coach Hill leaving there, it's a, it's a huge void. So here's our five big questions here uh, about these Big Sky Conference job openings. It's the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls a great place to gather. With family and friends, they got breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, plus a Sportsbet Montana kiosk. Go check them out on the south side of town, 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. The, uh, the first question here for our discussion, what is the best job that's open? Well, that's easy because uh, only two of them are open, one's Weber State and one's Idaho State. I think that the answer to that question is the same answer as it's been for 20 years. Uh, do I have any room uh, here? To, is there any room, I guess, here, Andrew, to debate uh, that Idaho State is anywhere in the realm of Weber State? No, not when you look at uh, what they've been for so long, right? And especially, um, I mean, just what Jay Hill has been able to do there at Weber State and the improvements that they've made in their facilities. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's the, the Weber State jobs. I think one of the best FCS jobs that's come open in the country in a while, and then Idaho State is not that, although I think there's some potential there. The one thing that I think... Charlie Raggle 
came into Idaho State with a lot of passion, but then he also, it seemed he had misanalyzed what some of the disadvantages were, and then he made a big deal about the disadvantages in a very public way right out the gates. And, I mean, he, he, he frequently... T- uh, to me, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that you would know that the winning culture and the winning mentality does not exist in Idaho State. They haven't won in eight or nine seasons of it. Uh, you know, they had the one winning year under Rob Fennessy, I guess. But, but winning has been very elusive for Idaho State. But that he was so like upside down about the fact that the, the players weren't tough-minded and didn't know how to close games. It's like, man, what did you think? You took over a one-win team. So I do think that whoever is hired there, if they have the proper perspective and the proper patience, it could be a good job for a little while only because you could have upward mobility. Rob Fennessy had it going a little bit, and then they just they hit this this wall when they had everybody get hurt. But they were coming off a 6-5 and five year, and they had a couple, uh, maybe one or two league wins. They at least had a couple wins when it all fell apart on them, and they finished 3-9 and nine that year that uh, Mikey Dean was still there and Mitch Guller and Tanner Connors and those guys that were – I mean, that, that team had – Pretty good. They, they had some good big sky players. So you wonder if the perspective could help. The thing I worry about with Weber State is the longtime AD, Jerry Bovey, that was there, he's now at Utah State. I'm not sure who Weber State's AD is now. Hasn't been that visible since they took over for Bovey. But at Weber State, the university, you have now two institutions that have left. Randy Ray, who'd been there for 16 seasons for Weber State men's basketball, and Jay Hill, who'd been there for nine seasons for Weber State football. The the one, you know, broadly, the better job is Weber State for sure. But you have to wonder how much of Weber State being a great job was because Jay Hill's such a great coach. It would be very hard to follow in the footsteps of Jay Hill, I think, because of all, there's a lot of reasons why and how you can take a, a previously just sort of middle of the road program and make it a top 10 program. But one of the main factors is fit. Jay Hill was the absolute perfect fit at Weber State. He understands Utah. He's got deep Utah roots. He understands prep football in Utah. He had coached in Utah forever. He played in Utah. He came from Ron McBride's coaching tree. So there's all sorts of things that made him such a good fit. So, you know, that's the one thing where if you're saying which job's the best job, it's it's harder to follow Jay Hill than it is to follow Charlie Raggle. That's true, Coulter. I guess my counterpoint to that would be if you're at Weber State, you have multiple examples of programs, of successful programs, of successful coaches right. who you can follow in the footsteps of. And not maybe follow in the footsteps isn't the right term, but take cues from, yeah. uh, learn from where they were successful, right? Because it's not just football under Jay Hill, right? And that yeah. could be a tough act to follow. But also the the men's basketball program has sure. been really successful under Randy Ray. The softball program has been really successful under uh, Mary Kay and McConey down yeah, there. Like, yeah. you have examples of coaches who are able to recruit to Ogden, who are able to put together successful teams. At Idaho State, you've got Seton Sobolewski, and that's it. That's right. That's and right. he does it with the international players, so there's not really a path you can follow. Yeah, it is tough. You know, I think that uh, there's so much made of coaches and their influence on success, but I think that at certain places, you got to look at the institution first. You're going to be hard-pressed to have success at certain institutions in the big sky until you change some things institutionally. Nuwana's now. ESPN Roundtable. Presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. What's the biggest challenge? I actually think that's a, 
an, a really open-ended question because I actually think that you could argue for all four of these schools that are going to have new coaches having the biggest challenge. Northern Colorado has never been good. They, they have never been good since they went D1. Now, they, they have had two winning seasons, and both of those included D2 wins. So they've never had an above 500 record against Division One competition since going Division One. Never. Not once since 2006 when they joined Division One. So that's an incredibly tough mountain to summit. Cal Poly is one of the premier polytechnic schools in the country. What does that mean? It means that your guys have to be able to do math at an incredibly high level. Like You need really smart guys to be able to go to Cal Poly. But it's not only that because you know there's high academic schools that have good football teams and even great football teams. It's the fact that you can't take the drop-down transfers that your peers within the big sky can take. That's what's going to always keep you chasing if you're Cal Poly. Idaho State... While they have had a really hard time getting it going during the 21st century, they do have a somewhat of a semblance of tradition. I mean, Idaho State has a national championship. They have a Division One AA. I guess it was a. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they have a Division One AA national championship from back in the early 1980s. They have some prestigious football alums. Whether you're talking about Merrill Hodge and Marvin Lewis and Dirk Cutter or you know Jared Allen, uh, so. How do you revive that tradition? I'm not sure. Uh, but there's also the, the, the systematic uh, challenges that we were just talking about at Idaho State. And then at Weber, I think the biggest challenge there is following in the footsteps of, of the best to ever do it. You know, I, I mean, it, it's not often that the, uh, the you're trying to replace the winningest coach in school history, but that's exactly what what Weber is faced with. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Which one of these is the biggest challenge? Well, I think it's got to be... I, I think you're right. You can make an... Ar- I, I wouldn't make an argument for Weber. I think you could make an argument for any of the other three. I just don't know what success is going to look like at Northern Colorado, right? That's, yeah, that's the right. one for me. I mean, you're... <sighs> You don't have a record of success. You don't have a blueprint to build on. You don't have, I mean, you're competing with the the Denver teams. I mean, Colorado, Colorado State. I mean, Air Force. You've got all the other schools in the yeah. area. You're such an afterthought. You're in, you're in Greeley, which is sort of, it's right outside Denver, but also sort of in the middle of nowhere. That's right. And you've never had the success as a football program there at the Division One level. For sure. How do you go in there and be successful? I mean, we've seen it happen at least a little bit at Idaho State and at Cal Poly. Yeah. Not recently and not often, but but here and there, <laughs> Northern Colorado just has so many obstacles going against it. I think if I'm Ed Lamb, here's what I do. I go park right outside the football facility in Boulder. And every single guy that Deion Sanders goes in and cuts – I say, hey, son, you want a new opportunity? You can go up to Greeley and start playing. For real, though, because Deion Sanders is going to go cut half his team. So <laughs> you might as well go try to get some of those guys. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, uh, SWX Montana Television, and uh, the ESPN MT app. Here's, here's the other thing. I was, re- I was really thinking about this, and I was talking about this with Ty Gregorak uh, because Ty played at CU. He played it at, at, for the Buffs. And... Uh, I was asking him, I said, what what happened over the last 20 years in which Colorado, Colorado State, and Northern Colorado can all be 
bad at the same time when Denver is one of the the biggest and and most popular and populated cities in the West. It's one of the, you know, nicest places to live. Colorado itself is just a great place to live. There's a lot of cool towns in Colorado. And one thing that he was talking about and we were sort of hashing out was there's so much affluent affluence in Colorado that so many of the best football players are going to private schools now, which then makes it incredibly easy for the big time, like the SEC programs and, and you know, the Oregon's and Washington's of the world to just come in there because they can just go to a Valor Christian game. They can just go to a Mullen game. They can just go to these big powerhouse private schools and say, you know, we're offering you, 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 and you. <laughs> and and uh, so, so many of the best guys in the state are leaving and that's been, uh, I think, I think that's hurt Colorado college football uh, from the top down. Yeah, that's really interesting. You think the talent in the state is growing, but also it's becoming more concentrated, and so more schools, it's easier to just parachute in there. I think that's probably part of it. I also think that, you know, maybe out. I, 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 I don't want to misspeak here, but it's my perception, just from monitoring, recruiting, and stuff like that. That if, if you are going and getting a bunch of kids from Washington, Utah, Idaho, Montana, you're getting good, tough, hard-nosed kids. If you're going and getting kids from Oregon, California to a certain extent, but also Colorado, it, you're just not. And I know that that's a completely stereotypical, cliche thing to say, but it's it's my perception that the high school football in in Colorado is nowhere close to as good as Utah, say. I mean, those are, you know, relatively similar in population bases. Utah has phenomenal high school football. I, I just don't get the, I don't get the same vibe that uh, Colorado maybe does. I don't know the why, though. I just it just seems that that just seems to be the way that it is. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. I I guess the one thing that Ed McCaffrey showed at Northern Colorado was that she can get talent to Greeley, right? Like, there was a lot of talent on those teams. No question. No question. And Ed Lamb's got a lot of great connections down in the, I mean, in places like you're talking about, in places like Utah, uh, I'm sure in in eastern Idaho. um, He's got connections all over the Big Sky Conference's recruiting footprint. So maybe that's a point in the favor of Northern Colorado. Well, I think that the the thing is, too, is it's not just, talent is one part of the equation Ed McCaffrey did bring a lot of talent in Northern Colorado. You have to have some semblance of a culture. Ed Lamb is a phenomenal leader. If you've ever been in the room with Ed Lamb, he, he's got just a lot of gravitas. He, he's a guy that is magnetic. You want to listen to him talk. He also has a defined culture that he wants his program to be about. And one thing that I think has been become, so I don't know how this has become so underrated, but it's become such a huge underrated part of college football. What is your strength program, and how much does that influence your culture? How did Southern Utah become good when Ed Lamb was the head coach? They outlifted everybody. They won the pregame. You go watch Southern Utah warm up, you're like, whoa, okay, those guys lift weights. And, you know, it it might sound silly, and I'm not saying everybody's got to just be some beefcake meathead, but, like, Southern Utah was physically impressive when he was there. And uh, I think that you build so much culture, especially during the offseason, in the weight room. No, I was now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana uh, Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. 
uh, we're up against it. So I had the five big questions. We've got through two of them. Two of them are, are we've already sort of danced around as well. Does Ed Lamb have regrets? I have no idea. But if he was ever going to be in the mix to return to the big sky and he could have had the opportunity to go to Weber and not Northern Colorado, uh, you have to wonder uh, if that would have been uh, a scenario that would have been appealing. I think it would have been, but I, I don't want to speak for him or put words in his mouth. And maybe he really just wanted to go live in Greeley. Who knows? We also talked about this one. How hard is it to replace Jay Hill? I think it's incredibly hard. I think he is uh, not only a great fit at Weber, a successful guy there at Weber. He also is his pure class. And uh, I, for one, I, I always think about this. Sometimes when guys are around the league for a long time, you get to know him pretty well. I mean, I've I've interviewed Jay Hill a lot, man. I, I've, I've interviewed him, I don't know, 40, 50 times probably. Played golf with him a couple times. I'm gonna miss him, man. He's he's a he's a he's a stern, no nonsense guy. But I just always enjoyed being around him, and you always wonder, are you gonna talk to these guys again? I thought the same thing. I always had this feeling that Bo Baldwin would be back in the Big Sky when he took that job at Cal. But now that he's going to ASU, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, the last big question here was, what are the biggest factors for these jobs coming open? And I think that you see. First of all, the stratification in college football. Uh, there's there's the haves and have-nots, and the, the difference continues to get broader um, with how good the good teams and the good programs are in the big sky right now. I don't know how you catch them if you're, ones, if you're part of the, the, the bottom part of the league. I don't know. I really don't. I, I do think that coaching culture and resources are going to be huge parts of it. But then I also see... And, you know, again, we don't have our heads in the sand. I totally understand the importance of the financial element of this stuff, for sure. But, and I'm not saying that any of these guys that left their head coaching jobs for Power 5 positions did it only because of the salary. But the reports in the Deseret News are that Jay Hill's going to get a million dollars to be the defensive coordinator. A million dollars a year to be the defensive coordinator at BYU. I mean, that's top 10, top 15 coordinator money in all of college football. And also, who can possibly say no to a million dollars? I mean, he was doing good. He, 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 he had a bunch of bonuses at, at Weber. I was reading through his contract at Weber State, and uh, I think he made something like 376 last year. But 376, if you do the math, that's still only about a third of one million. So, uh, you know, it's the same deal, like, Go build something at Arizona. And again, I'm not just talking about their salaries. You can go from Cal Poly to Arizona State, and not only do you increase your own personal resources, you also increase your resources to go have a successful program across the board, whether it's the facilities, the training tables, the trainers, the assistants, the strength coaches, the analysts, the scouting, the film, the filmers, the the recruiting budget, the NIL money. The exposure across the the social media, all of it is at such a higher level at the Power 5 right now because there's so much money out there and they got to spend it somehow. And so, again, I don't have my head in the sand. I totally understand the import of money, and I'm not saying these guys just make greedy decisions. But from a competitive standpoint, when there is such a disparate amount of money, why wouldn't you go take... A, uh, a position that not only pays you three to four times as much money, but you also have 
way more money to be successful at your job. I mean, that we would all do it. If I told you you could have a job that's in your field and you could quadruple your salary, but you're also going to then have so much more money to work with to do your job to the best of your capabilities, it'd be hard to say no to that. No one's down ESPN Radio. Big Sky Coaching Carousel keeps on spinning. That's our ESPN Roundtable. Five big questions about the head coaching openings of Big Sky Conference football. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls has all sorts of cool stuff going on. They also have a new morning happy hour from 8 to 10 a.m. Seven days a week, you can get $5 Bloody Marys, $5 Caesars, and $5 Mimosa Pints. So go check out uh, Paradise Falls early morning happy hour. And they also have an early and a late happy hour in the afternoon slash evening as well. Also, Wednesday is Prime Rib Night. So uh, go get yourself a big old hearty slice of that prime rib. Paradise Falls, the proud presenter of the ESPN Roundtable. Located at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. One last Grizz Star of the Week, highlighting the best of the best from the University of Montana football team. We'll dole out our postseason awards. How would we deem the offensive, defensive, and special teams MVPs for this year's Grizz football team? We'll do that next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. is now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. My favorite songs ever. Welcome back, everybody. Come on, now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's time now for our Grizz Star of the Week, the final Grizz Star of the Week for football season. The Grizz lost 49-26 to North Dakota State last week in Fargo, But we're here to talk about some of the good parts of the season. We have analyzed and scrutinized this Grizz team extensively. And uh, as I say, as Brooks Nuanas says, as Andrew Houghton says, the the thing that we always want to remind you is that we hold the University of Montana and Montana State to the utmost highest expectation and standard because... We have boundless optimism of what they could and should be and become. And uh, as I've said throughout the last couple weeks in terms of the things that the Grizz can and need to fix, it's not as if the ship has completely sunk. It's also not as if the whole thing is broken. In fact, there's many of the aspects of the program that are excellent. I mean, the Grizz are great in the classroom. They've had almost no off-the-field troubles. They uh, are, by and large, a a hardworking group that is uh, well-respected in the community and respectful to us. I mean, we we had a a different Grizz player on the show every single week for, I think, 13 weeks in a row. And every single one of them was great on this radio show 
And and you know, people always ask us, what do you root for? Who do you root for? Well, we root for we root for good storylines. We go, root for good, fair, objective uh, reporting, and uh, we also though we root for the kids, man. We want the kids to succeed. And this group, I think that part of the reason why we scrutinize this group because we knew how talented they really were, and some of the guys on this team are some of my favorite guys that I've gotten to know covering the Grizz. I mean, Patrick O'Connell is A-plus, man. He's he's a wonderful guy. He's really engaging. He, you know, I hope that we play golf next summer. You know, if he's not in the NFL, I hope that, that we can we can have a round and hang out. You know, we got to know Marcus Wellnell because he's a spokesperson for Dazzler's Car Wash right across the street. And Marcus has also worked uh, as, as an intern for a couple of our other great clients, uh, Sackman Bank, as well as Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth. So I've gotten to know Marcus on a personal level. And what an impressive guy, man. What a hardworking kid. And, uh, you know, on down the line, you could you could go down the line with a lot of these dudes. And so uh, the seniors from a personal level will be missed for sure. Uh, but let's dole out some of our, our awards. Who do we got as the uh, the top Offensive, defensive performers for the Grizz, special teams performers, and uh, maybe our overall MVP as well. It's our Grizz Star of the Week, but it's more of our Grizz Stars of the Season. Presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. If you can't tell, we're into winter. So if you need some uh, winter gear, gloves, hat, coat, snow pants, snow boots, whatever, Bob Ward's has got it all. They always have great sales going on. We'll go in there just perusing the clearance racks and seeing what's going on. They're located there. On Paxson Street, right behind Southgate Mall. You can always shop online 24-7 at bobwards.com. Offensive MVP first. It's an interesting one because the Grizz did not necessarily have like a go-to offensive player. I think that's part of the reason why their offense uh, was up and down. I think there's several candidates uh, to be sure. Uh, but Andrew, I'll let you start. Andrew Houghton, the guy behind the glass, uh, our producer here. Uh, what do you think? Uh, who's who's the offensive standout? Yeah, Coulter, it's a tough one. Let's give some shout-outs here. Uh, I think a shout-out for sure for Nick Osmo for revitalizing the offense there at the end of the season for taking over and carrying the load when they were really struck with injuries at that running back position. Uh, had a couple great historic games at the end of the season there tough to make him the offensive MVP of the year because he really only played and he really only got a bunch of carries for the second half of the season. I think shout-outs to a couple of receivers as well. Uh, Mitch Roberts, man, just just steady, and we talked about, you know, we were picking nits with him. He didn't take a step up this year, but he just, what a great guy to have on your team, a steady receiver. Don't think I saw him drop more than a couple balls all year, led the team in receiving yards. Cole Grossman was always a weapon at the tight end position. Uh, shout out to him. Shout out to a couple of the offensive linemen. You know, Hunter McGinnis was an all-conference honoree. Uh, I kind of think that the offensive MVP, Coulter, though, has to just be Lucas Johnson by almost by default, but that would be trivializing and downplaying some of the great things that Lucas Johnson did this year. I think Lucas Johnson was the biggest difference maker. If you're considering this most outstanding offensive player, uh, I think that you probably would. It would come down to uh, probably Lucas Johnson and um, 
Nick Ostmo. But then if you're talking about most valuable offensive player, I think it's no question Lucas Johnson because I think he was the most important part of their offense because in the games that he was not there, their offense was was basically non-existent. Nuanas Dowgras, Stars of the Season, presented by Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. Defensive MVP, he got a lot of candidates. Uh, but I'm just going to go straight out and uh, just make my pick rather than deliberating through uh, all the candidates. And this actually might surprise some people. I'm saying Alex Gubner, the uh, junior defensive tackle. I, I you know, when you, when you are playing a true zero gap nose in this system where you're like basically required to not make plays and you still put up good detail. I mean, 44 tackles, seven tackles for loss and three and a half sacks are great defensive tackle numbers, period. Let alone if you're like basically required to not make plays. And so the fact that he was able to make plays even outside of the scheme, uh, Really, really impressive, but I also think that so many of the plays of all of the guys that play at the second and third levels of Montana's defense come because of number 99 in the middle. I also think that, you know, despite all of the the great things I could say about all the guys that are seniors on this team, I think Alex Gubner is the single most talented player on the Grizz. I think he is the, uh, the guy that is the most different and the most superior in his natural gifts to anybody else in the big sky comparatively by position. Coulter, I was wondering if you were going to say Alex Gubner, and I was looking myself at the list here, and I was going down, and I was looking, and Robbie Houck had a good season. Marcus Wellnell had a good season. Patrick O'Connell had a great season but missed some time. He was limited by some injuries. There was Justin Ford, and then you get down to Alex Gubner, and I was like, I wonder if Coulter's going to say Alex Gubner because you're right. He does all those things at such a high level for me, uh, looking and, and, and trying to pick this award. You almost can't award Alex Gubner without also giving a shout-out to Eli Alford as well, just because of all the time that they split there. I mean, Alex Gubner probably got the majority of the snaps at defensive tackle, but it was pretty close to a a 50-50 timeshare there where they would split off series. Um, And, you know, Eli Alford had a decent season as well, a couple tackles for loss, playing the same role for me, Coulter. Just going back to what you were talking about, who's the biggest difference maker? For this defense, it's hard to get away from Patrick O'Connell, even though he did miss some time and he wasn't as impactful as he was maybe a year ago. He was limited by some injuries, but still, 14 tackles for loss, 8 sacks. Led the league in both categories, even though he missed basically 3 games. Wasn't a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award, which I think was a little surprising, but when you look at him, he has stats comparable to some of the top defensive players in the country. I mean, we were talking about Spencer Wagey for North Dakota State last week. Well, Patrick O'Connell's got the same stats as he does. Um, so I was a little bit surprised not to see him get some more recognition on a national level. Um, and just the, I mean, he's the embodiment of that defense, right? Coulter, I mean, eight more quarterback hits. You talk about the Grizzlies defense. It wants to pressure you. It wants to get after you. It wants to overwhelm you. Maybe Alex Gubner taking on blockers is the linchpin that makes that all happen, but Patrick O'Connell's the dude who embodies that, right? It's true, and uh, he's the edge setter and the tone setter and the the guy that's the designated playmaker, and uh, it's a good one. It certainly is. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, come back, and we'll discuss our overall team MVP and probably the most competitive uh, 
MVP honor for the Grizz. That's the special teams MVP. Got a lot of great candidates. We'll be right back. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M-Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M-Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M-Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M-Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. ESPN Radio. John Butler Trio, come back to Missoula. I need a redo. It was so fun last time, but I also imbibed way too much, and so I need I need another one. <laughs> I usually try to really not do that at concerts because I love to actually just you know see it and consume it and whatever. Just hit up you know hit downtown afterwards, but uh, I want to redo. But also they're just one of my favorite bands. No, I was now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Missed anything in the show? You already know. Nuana's Now podcast available on all of your podcast hosting platforms. Presented by the M-Store and the MSU Bookstore. Tomorrow, fun one uh, coming up. We'll do some Big Sky players in the NFL and uh, take a look at how everybody's doing. We'll also maybe talk some NBA. Andrew's been itching to talk some NBA, and I have too. Uh, We'll hear from Bobby Houck. A couple more thoughts on closing out the Grizz season. We'll start from Raleigh Wooster, a Missoula Hellgate product, who was the Pac-12 Player of the Week last week at the University of Utah. And Brooks Nuanas will swing by to uh, talk about the NFL and some of his favorite betting lines as well. Uh, we will close the show today. Got about three minutes left. With the uh, finalization of our Grizz Stars of the Year as a part of our Grizz Star of the Week presented by Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. Uh, we did our offensive and defensive MVPs. Now we got our special teams and our overall MVPs. Special teams, there's three candidates, but they're all really good ones. Malik Flowers, who had two kick returns for touchdowns. Junior Bergen, who had two punt returns for touchdowns. Patrick Rohrbach, who finished in the top ten in the Jerry Rice Award voting as the nation's top freshman and was first team all league as a guy out of Kalispell Glacier. Who you got for special teams at MVP? Man, I'd love to say all three of these guys. I think all three of these guys are in contention for overall MVP, too. I'd love to say Patrick Rohrbach. For me, Coulter, it's got to be Malik Flowers, not only because of... I mean, well, for one thing, he nearly single-handedly saved their first-round playoff game. He did. He saved the season. He did. I mean, and that's the biggest moment of their season in their biggest win of the season Yep, was that kickoff return touchdown against Southeast Missouri State. But also, Coulter, just the way that he forced opponents to game plan around him, right? The way that he influenced the game even without touching the ball. I mean, everybody wants to kick away from him. That influences the game in so many ways, even when they do manage to kick away from him. And the fact that even with everybody kicking away from him, still houses two touchdowns, ties Rashid Shahid's record. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, I agree with everything you said, man. I think that uh, if you have an elite skill that you prove over and over and over again, and everybody that you play know that's, knows that's your elite skill, and you, they, people still can't stop it, you are a truly transcendent talent. Malik Flowers is one of the best to ever do it at the University of Montana in terms of returning kicks. And Montana has the greatest kick return legacy lineage of, of any school in the big sky. So uh, I agree. He is my special teams and my overall MVP for uh, this Grizz football team. Would you delineate it all? Would you say anybody else is the overall MVP? 
I love that take, Coulter. I can get behind it 100%. I would have said, uh, man, I think I would have made Patrick O'Connell still the overall MVP just for all the reasons when I was uh, espousing him for the defensive MVP as well. He encapsulates what they want to do on that defense. He still had a great season, and if we need to make somebody else the defensive MVP, then I'm fine with it being Alex yeah. Gubner or yeah. somebody like Marcus yeah. Wellnell or Robbie Houck. If you ever watch the Grizz practice, I mean, Robbie Houck is the tone setter in games because of how much he talks and just how all over the place he is. But the Grizz... The, how hard they practice is one of the things that defines them, and Patrick O'Connell is absolutely the person that sets the pace for that. He is the first guy at every single drill. He sprints all over the practice field. I mean, watching him in itself is is uh, something to behold. So thanks to Bob Wards for their sponsorship all season long of our Grizz Star of the Week. And thanks to you for tuning in to Nuana is Now. Big one tomorrow, but we got to go celebrate holiday party. Missoula Broadcasting Style coming up. Next for us, we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine Delands of the Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, the Advocates can surely help you. What sort of expertise do you guys have when it comes to uh, any sort of personal injury accidents, things like that? Uh, it's all we practice. Uh, you're not going to get an attorney who's practicing family law or in court defending criminal cases. All we do is personal injury. We're a multi-state firm, but I'm right here in M- Missoula. So we have the backing of a large firm uh, with just years of expertise there, too. Free consultations. You can find out more by calling 406-640-4444 or by visiting online 24-7 Advocates dot com.